Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Live, Learn, Lead with me, Allison Geskin. Ever wonder what it's truly like to be an extraordinary leader? One that leaves a legacy that goes far beyond how you exceeded revenue expectations, impacting in a life-changing way because of how you made someone feel. Today, my friends, I'd like you to meet Christine Dagenet. I am a gigantic fan of Christine. Her work, how she leads, who she is, and you're about to find out why. Having led ridiculously successful organizations to being able to extrapolate true potential in thousands of leaders across North America through leadership training and coaching, Christine's thoughts, her insights, her knowledge, expertise. She, my friends, has the secret sauce. Let's spend the next hour together and tap into this fabulously talented, extraordinary mind that is Christine. Let's get a look at what it takes to deliver extraordinary leadership that leaves a legacy. And this, my friends, is Leadership in Action. Welcome, Christine. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Wow, what an introduction and very excited about our conversation today, Allison. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. You have lived such an extraordinary life. Your trajectory in terms of what you've been able to do, how you've been able to turn that into impacting others is incredible. Let me ask you this. Everything that has led you to now, what would you say would be the most critical skill or experience or competency that has has allowed you to thrive as a leader? Mm, oh, we're going deep. <laughs> we're going deep right into it. I love it. Well, you know, I wouldn't put it past either of us to start the conversation in the most important place, <laughs> right? And often in the world that I play in, the most important place is the one that's hardest and mm. requires the most reflection. Yeah. And I would say, um, you know, two things. I'm going to give you two, and then we can drill down into the most important. Yeah. One would be just a great sense of tenacity, Mm. right? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that constant drive, that willingness and that desire to aspire to achieve greatness and always have that as the premise and the foundation of each decision. And that's something that I've had growing up, that sort of the environment that I was born and raised within Mm -hmm. and something that I seek to inspire in others around me every day. Mm. And that tenacity, that just that continuous drive. So skill set, capability. And the reason why I say there's really two things, for me, that premise of tenacity is based on having that constant uh, optimism or growth mindset. Mm. How do you develop tenacity? I mean, if you haven't, let's say, had adversity or faced a lot of adversity in your life, which I think is a privilege. For real. For sure. Adversity is a privilege because it's a learning experience. But if you haven't had 
you know, to face great adversity? Mm -hmm. How do you build tenacity? Mm -hmm. How do you skill build for that? So, and I agree fully. So having the environment around you where you've had some adversity through the years and being able to see your successes on the backside of adversity and appreciate the learning Mm -hmm. that in itself can build tenacity in someone because it's almost this circular experience of, okay, I failed. Oh, look, I've learned and I'm now challenging opportunity. I'm turning challenges into opportunities on the regular. So it's like this pattern of behavior building that can happen over time. Mm -hmm. And in some circumstances, um, we haven't had adversity or a a significant amount of negative circumstances or developmental circumstances in life. And so those are opportunities to learn from other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you can learn from other people's mistakes, it's wonderful to learn from your own. And it's also wonderful to learn from the mistakes that other people make. And so if you have the opportunity to, again, adopt that perspective of what possibilities exist for me to learn, the organic nature of learning through failure is either yours or others is one that will help create that tenacity for you to keep driving forward for whatever it is that you want to achieve. I love that. So many times I will walk into an organization and on their core values, they talk about tenacity, they talk about grit. And then when you get down into the organization and you ask, well, what does that really mean to you? Mm -hmm. Well, everyone will kind of look around each other and be like, I don't know. I I, I read it over there. (laughs) We're supposed to have it. I don't know if I have it. I don't even know how to build it. I work uh, a lot of hours. (laughs) That's grit. Right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What do you think you yourself are most proud of that you've learned along the leadership ladder? I often reflect in this world, one of the challenges that we have as professionals in this space of leadership development and executive coaching is that, you know, we're experts in the field of that, in the Mm -hmm. competencies and the skills, and we are held accountable to model them at every interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, so you really have to practice what you preach in order to have any degree of credibility or respect in this space. And like humans, all humans, we're not perfect, right? So it's an interesting degree of pressure and also real opportunity for us to shine and differentiate. So for me in particular, one of the things that I'm most proud of is being able to challenge perspective Mm. at a very senior level Mm -hmm. in a way that most others can't, right? And so a lot of the leaders and leadership teams that I personally uh, walk inside with, and I love how you positioned it, look to me to bring that neutral perspective that when you're within four walls of an organization, you don't readily have access to. Yeah. To really try hard to get there. Mm-hmm. And so through trusted partnerships at that very senior level, I'm able to come in and, and ask the right questions and you know explore possibilities that don't currently exist for the individual, the team, or the organization and bring a new way of looking at things that will help that leadership team generate results that are often more effective mm-hmm. and definitely increase overall business results and total satisfaction. Yeah. So it's about challenging the status quo and holding that position of trusted advisor that sees what other people don't see. It's an incredible space we both play in, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you, I mean, I, I love that we're sitting here right now and you're like <laughs> nodding and I'm nodding and, and it's such a privileged, honored place that not for a single moment I will take for granted. What do you think are the most important decisions that you make as a leader of your organization? 
like Ooh, every day. What so are the most good. important decisions? Yeah, so good. So for me, team is first always. Yeah. For me, the, the fundamental premise of Brightwire leadership is the expertise and the collaboration mm-hmm. of the members on our team. You know, I'm such a soapbox when I say this, and I say this all the time. When your people win, you win. Mm-hmm. It, it's Oftentimes we get so stuck on process driven, we fail to remember that it's the people that deliver that process, right? Emotions drive behavior, behavior drives performance. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for me, the second part of that decision process that I I lead with every day is, you know, if we have that team and I'm committed to the team, we're doing meaningful work. Mm. And so meaningful work drives our values at Brightwire because we need to be in a position to have a partnership. Yeah. You know, so if you're looking to have a a vendor relationship or have another supplier on your list, we won't be in position to add great value and partner with you as a leader or an organization. So we want to form partnerships that create meaningful work Mm -hmm. that have our team really well positioned to do what they do best and just to absolutely add tremendous value and to have a really good time doing it, driving Mm -hmm. those results. So again, it really does come down to team. It's about building the best team, uh, a really fostering an environment of pure collaboration. So we support each other, we advise each other, we engage with each other. You know, it's a very different model, actually, Allison. I've I've received some recognition, some significant recognition over the years mm-hmm. uh, because of the model that we've built at Brightwire. It's relatively unique. So I appreciate the question. How do you resolve conflict? So we look at it as positive. So again, modeling the behaviors that we like to see. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, of course, there's going to be moments where you're like, okay, what's going on? Maybe it doesn't feel positive at the onset. Yeah. But quickly, I find with our team in particular, if anyone can handle disruption, conflict, whatever it might be, it's us. And so we go quickly into the place of our professional coaching practices mm-hmm. where we we adopt a neutral posture. Mm-hmm. We use our innate curiosity. Yeah, We're trained professionally to put our biases aside, mm-hmm. right? And for some of us, it might take longer than others, but we get there. And then we extract always, what have we learned from this circumstance that we can put into place to mitigate this conflict going forward. So for those that don't play in this space and that aren't yes. professional in this space, mm-hmm. would you say that the root of it starts from being psychologically safe and being able to have really tough conversations that don't involve ego or agenda? Yes. How would you share, teach, coach, mentor, facilitate, train a team or an organization or a leader who hasn't yet set that psychologically safe environment to be able to have those crucial conversations Mm -hmm. so that the path forward can be really meaningful and relevant without just having a you know a a group of yes men right how do you create how do you create that foundation to be able to have what you have yeah yeah, yeah. And like, bring me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and there's lots of starting points, right? Yeah. And when you think about the individual, the team, the organizational level, mm-hmm. I mean, you're really hitting on something that is one of the most uh, prominent challenges that we're seeing in business today, mm. right? So keep creating an environment where people have share of voice, feel valued, mm. aren't afraid to contribute, And that that diversity of thought and that innovation of perspective 
is really celebrated, like really celebrated. So hard right now because you throw in a pandemic that has ripped humanity right? to shreds yep. mm -hmm. where nobody feels safe. Yes. Really hard in a corporate environment and right now. Put me behind my computer screen where yep. I might feel safe in my home office tucked away, but mm -hmm. what is that? How has that impacted our relationship over the years? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of variables. Where we'd like to start is working with leaders mm -hmm. of teams to adopt a behavior that starts to create the environment yeah. for which psychological safety can begin to exist. So how do you identify whether or not that behavior exists in that leader or not? Yeah, so it's a great question. We would start with self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So uh, our coaching team you know, has a lot of insight and accreditation around psychological safety. So we need to know first what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And we've spent a lot of time in this space recently. So we would work with a leader to understand their own perspective of their leadership behaviors and the implications of them. We would also work with uh, asking questions of their team. Mm -hmm. And there's varying degrees of formality that we use to approach that, whether it's, you know, personal interviews with an executive coach or a format like a, a feedback 360 instrument, for example. Mm -hmm. But we look to understand what is the leader doing well and where can that leader improve? Because that will give us an opportunity to really assess the full environment and leverage the strengths that that individual brings to the table. Generally, leaders have got to where they are for some reasons. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some reason, might be technical, might be leadership, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but we would really just have a, a really good understanding of the surroundings of mm. that leader and the expectations of that team mm -hmm. or that the team has of their leader and work to align the two. I can stand up and tell you, you know what, Allison, your perspective is so greatly valued. And then you jump in and say, Christine, I would like to challenge that perspective that you just shared. And then I could say, well, I'm not really interested in that. We only have four minutes remaining. So let's continue to move on. <laughs> Which so happens you down, more right? than we know in corporate Frequent. culture. Frequent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not about reading the books or looking at the PowerPoint decks or taking the course. Sure, some awareness is helpful. But, and, <laughs> not even but, and. This is why Christine has the secret sauce. <laughs> it is about building that behavior and that awareness with the individuals of influence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You cannot fix what you cannot see. Love that. Mm -hmm. And that's so true here. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. and, and you have to see it first yeah. and see it in actual modeling of behaviors, not just words on a page. If they do it themselves, if they bring in a team... How does one get over their own limiting beliefs, their own barriers, their own bullshit stories they tell themselves of what type of leader that they are to be able to be in a place where they can actually take all of this goodness, all of these nuggets, all of these gifts that yeah. these people are saying about you? How do we as human beings not take it internally like it's an ego, oh, it's awful, they're saying awful things to me, mm -hmm. and turning it into a gift? Thank you for telling me. Thank you for showing me. Thank you for, you know, putting yourself out there when you really didn't know how I was going to respond because you said some really awful things, but they are right. important. How do you help someone see things for what they truly are without ego? So there's the leader mm -hmm. and how they interpret themselves, mm -hmm. I'm hearing, right? And then mm -hmm. there's the receiver, 
which is, you know, interpreting the behavior of the leader. And that is their reality. Yeah. And perception is reality. Absolutely. That we know for sure. With individuals who are often harder, hard on themselves. We, we often say, well, we know leadership is incredibly hard. And oh, my God. <laughs> it is not for the faint of heart. It takes more courage like, than I think anybody ever understands. Like, you don't know it until you're in it. You don't know it until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And when you're in it, you still don't know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I still got a true. bunch of questions myself, you know, like I'm still learning every day and yeah. this is what I do, right? You're so like, oh, I, that's new. I've never really yeah, it's like, hmm, oh, yeah. oh, global pandemic, right, <laughs> that. I'm going to have to lead through that, right? A lot of it does come down to understanding what those limiting beliefs are. So it is self-awareness for sure. Like, why do I feel that way? Why am I so hard on myself? Mm. You know, I just won this multi-million dollar contract and for some reason it's not good enough. Yeah. So what is getting in my way? And we actually um, call that the satisfaction gap. Mm. What we're seeing with a lot of executive leaders who are very successful, senior leaders, leaders in general who are very successful, they make it to a certain point in their career and they, they've made the money they want to make. They have the houses they want to have. They have the lifestyle established. They're they not still satisfied. have their spouses mm -hmm. and they're not satisfied. Mm -hmm. And so we are doing a lot of work in helping leaders extract that, right? Learn from that moment. Why? What's in your way? So often it is limiting beliefs yeah. and we are our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. So yeah, your question really was great. Like how do you help people shift out of that? Yeah. And it is about challenging the way that you're looking at things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that sounds simple. And I know you know it's not. It's not simple. It's really hard. It takes a lot of work, a lot of inside work, a lot of releasing, letting go, shifting perceptions. Yes. Really looking at your strengths, looking at your weaknesses and being able to look at those weaknesses and say, well, what's the opportunity in that? That's right. You got it, right? And I think it's okay that yeah. we all have weaknesses. There seems to be this fallacy, much like, oh, success is so easy. And it's once you get it, it's great. And leadership is so easy. <laughs> Sometimes when I talk to like... You know, people that are just starting up the leadership ladder, they think leadership is just playing golf. Yeah, they're like, I'm so great. I have an expense account now. I'm going to go golfing. Life is good. And yet the first crisis or the first time they've got to performance manage in a negative way someone, right, right. they're like, oh, this is actually leadership. <laughs> this isn't the fun part that I thought it was going to be. It is difficult for mm -hmm. sure, right? So, and, and shifting the perspective that you hold is mm -hmm. where the opportunity exists. Yeah. And it's very powerful. So, yeah. you know, I like to say, like, how do you zoom out? How do you zoom out from your day to day and take an objective view on yourself? Mm -hmm. And it's actually like a very nice practice to do, you know, even if you put something into your calendar on a Friday afternoon or Sunday evening or a Monday morning, you know, what opportunities do I have this week to, you know, lead differently, to lead more intentionally? Yeah. And even the art of just zooming out to reflect on the possibilities of your leadership is, you know, incredibly valuable because you will begin through that process mm -hmm. to shift your perspective and create new results for yourself and your teams. Mm -hmm. So we like to say like that's challenging your observer. Yeah. So I'm in a moment and I'm not happy with how I performed. So I can choose to be not happy with how I performed. And that will impact the actions I take and subsequently the results that I continue to get. And in life, when we don't get the results that we want, we tend to go back and just change our action, mm -hmm. right? I didn't, I didn't lead a meeting well. I wasn't responsive to my team. I'm going to go back and change my action, which is, you know, try to lead the meeting better, try to be more responsive to my team. And you end up just sort of maybe incrementally slowly evolving over time and building capability but it's never fast enough and it's always, it almost feels like you're banging your head against the wall sometimes. Yeah. 
So instead, we'd like to say, well, you can try to spin your wheels or you can just go back and shift your observer. Mm -hmm. So you're observing that meeting like a failure because you didn't listen to your team. Is there a different way to observe that meeting? Right. Like how great was that that I had that experience that I learned from? Mm-hmm. And from every meeting going forward, I'm going to make sure I really listen to my team. Mm-hmm. So suddenly you're not trying to cover for your gaps or your deficits in leadership, but you're actually choosing an observer that views that as exceptionally positive back to my growth mindset and optimism point of growth Yeah, that will allow you to create new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And instead of just changing your actions to get different results, go back to look at how you're looking at the, the situation. Why do you think we as human beings have a hard time looking at things for actually what they are and not what we perceive them to be? So if we were, she's laughing. She's like, stop like, with the hard questions. No, it's my favorite question ever. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is my favorite. I love this question. Why do we Beautiful. as human beings, why do we get in our own way so often? Yeah. And why do we make things so hard for ourselves sometimes? Yeah. What comes to mind for me is that the past is incredibly comfortable. Mm. (laughs) The probability that most of us often hold our past to be true for the present inhibits us to move forward differently in the future. Mm. So your question, why are we not seeing things for the way that they really are Mm -hmm. versus the way that we're interpreting them to be? Mm -hmm. We often interpret what's happening based on all that we know, which is our past. Yeah. And that's dangerous. It's limiting. Yeah. You know, it's re- I call it like, like reality testing. How are you retesting the reality? Oh my gosh, the world's falling apart. Well, is it really though? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like there's a lot of good things going on too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may not feel that way if you choose to observe it from a, uh, from a past perspective, right? Well, I like your ritual of having that check-in, mm-hmm. right? I like that. I think that that's really important to have a practice. And I think that it can be as simple as you know, how did I show up today? Yeah. How did I show up as a leader? How did I show up as a peer? How did I show up as a human? Mm-hmm. How did I show up as a mother? Yes. How did I show up as a friend yeah. or a father? Yeah. But just how did I show up? And yeah. just do a little bit of like a check. Okay, check, 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 yeah. check, check. Ugh. Like an inventory, right? Yeah, almost. Just yeah. in your head. Yeah. And then I think that the really powerful thing is if you can link it. So if I really wasn't a great leader, mm-hmm. then the next day I should go as a leader to that person, that group, that team, that line of business and say, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I did Hi, a good everyone. job yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Yeah. I wasn't my best. Yeah. I'd like to do better. And here I am, day two. Let's mm-hmm. go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so can you imagine if we as human beings, all of us developed that practice? Yeah. And every night before we lay down and put our head to the bed, we just checked in. How did we show up? Mm. Was it truly how we wanted to really honor ourselves? That's right. And yeah. then the very next day, Go in and make repairs. Through feedback from others Mm -hmm. and validate the impact. Yeah. Right? So how is this working for you? How am I coming across you? There's impact and then there's intention. Mm -hmm. And often that's where the blind spots exist. Yeah. Is in the middle. Yeah. I think though, going back to, and I want to link this because you're so right, the foundational root of being really psychologically safe, being comfortable to say, I think you're wrong. Here's why. I don't like this move. Here's why please hear me out. Knowing that you got 51% of that vote, I have value. Yeah. And my perspective might be different from yours, but I have value. That's right. But you have to be able to set that place up yeah. first, because yes. if you don't set that, you'll never get the feedback that's going to be such a gift to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I really think that's an excellent point. Like how, how do you, in leadership, lay the foundation for 
where you're wanting to go mm-hmm. and and telling people and almost just holding up the mirror like hey i'm going to try something new i'm going to try to show up differently i'm going to you know provide you with more access to to development conversations you know whatever it is because when you're trying new things and it's a behavior that somebody isn't used to seeing from you. So mm-hmm. as a leader, let's say you're creating an environment that's psychologically safe and you want to actually hear multiple perspectives. Telling people that up front almost paves the way yeah. for that to be even more successful. Walk the walk and talk the talk, though. Talk the talk to position it so that the walk is well received. Yeah. Ooh. Get people ready for it, right? I love that. Because yes. it'll probably feel awkward if you've yeah, always, right. you know, been sort of myopic in your leadership. And so now if you're kind of moving away to a different style of leadership yeah. or, you know, enhancing what you already have, yeah. if you don't communicate that that change yes. and how you want people to receive that change and how you want feedback on that change. You got it. Then I think there's going to be, you know, some more bumps that yeah. don't necessarily need to be there. That's right. It's just going to take longer. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, so, you know, my leader's adopting this new approach. The first three times I see it in the meeting, I'm like, what the heck's going on? Are they okay? Like, what's up? What's This is weird behavior. What's mm-hmm. happening? And then if they tell me first that they're doing that, I'm like, oh, look at this. Like, I get they're it. trying something new. This mm-hmm. is really excellent. I'm going to be open. I'm going to receive this. Now I understand the intention mm-hmm. and I'm more willing to let it have its desired impact. Do you think that there's a part and parcel of being vulnerable? What blocks leaders from standing in front of their team, their SBU, their line of business, whatever you want, their whole entire organization, mm-hmm. and standing up there and saying, I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. Why do you think some leaders don't? It's definitely evolving. I know, mm-hmm. I know you would see that in your practice as well, right? Mm-hmm. The degree of vulnerability expressed and and how that's you know slowly starting to have a real positive perception attached. Oh like, my gosh, oh, 20 years ago? No, this never. never. Absolutely not, right? And no. there's, there's so many classic case studies of it that I just love to reflect on mm-hmm. and uh and and that behavior still exists right for mm-hmm. sure and it, and it can be really scary and especially when you look upwards and there's this you know historical line of you know different styles of leadership that had no space for emotion mm-hmm. no space for empathy you know some would say a command and control truly yep. directive not people oriented only results oriented type of leadership mm-hmm. and often there's this assumption that there's no space for that yeah and vulnerability feels uncomfortable Mm. and uncomfortability generally has emotion attached Mm -hmm. so we we find in a lot of the work we do you know leaders will even say even even today i had a webinar with 140 people this morning and it was on emotional intelligence and various aspects empathy and trust yeah you know there was this need to open the conversation around emotional intelligence acknowledging some of you might be rolling your eyes like what is this ei thing and why mm-hmm. is it important and others might be right on the ei train understanding the value right and uh, so i just think there's this juxtaposed history that comes into play for people that you understand relationships are paramount, but also there's a high pressure to drive results and connecting the two and seeing how vulnerability helps you do the former can be not a clear path for some. Do you think though that that is rooted in the fact that emotional intelligence is considered a soft skill and a soft skill has always been considered to be a nice to have, but your IQ and your technical skill is more important. And Mm -hmm. so soft is like (laughs) fluffy, kumbaya. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because it's been mislabeled? Yeah, there's a, been a, a big mislabeling. And mm-hmm. in the space of leadership development, 
we have had a lot of fun with that actually over the years. <laughs> because as you know, and we've talked about before, we really like to measure the results of our work and, yep. you know, have different business backgrounds that enable that kind of metrics focused tangible nature to developing people yeah and it's unique in this space because of the labeling of soft skills there's a perception or a connotation that goes with that like who has time for anything soft mm-hmm. you know think about the words we use like grit and tenacity and business drive for results and all those things and all of a sudden we say soft and it's like soft yeah and you know and you and i would propose that amongst many others in our space that these are actually the hardest skills of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Just leading the charge and bringing humanity back into business. Seriously, like we're going to do this. And it's <laughs> happening and it's slowly happening. So we have worked, uh, myself in particular, over many years with many executive MBA students. Yeah. So, you know, high performers, A players, as they would call themselves, looking to find their plus Mm -hmm. through the years of working with various graduate degree programs, emotional intelligence has actually started to play a facet in the admission process or an aspect to the mission process. Fascinating. Right, right. So like, for example, the GMAT exam, you have mm-hmm. to get a certain score in order to qualify like an LSAT or an MCAT or a GMAT mm-hmm. in order to have entrance uh, qualification into the program, coupled with your grade point average of your undergraduate degree. Well, now universities are starting to waive the GMAT requirement for MBAs if the candidate is able to prove that they have exceptional leadership experience and emotional intelligence gleaned through that leadership. Yes. It's very nice to see, right? So it's evolving. Yes. Some evolution here, which is just you're getting leaders that are more equipped to lead businesses for the future. Mm -hmm. It's different today, different today than it will be tomorrow. And it's very different today and tomorrow than what it was in the past. Absolutely. As organizations uh, you know, get larger. They seem to have a tendency to, you know, become more institutionalized, really kind of dampening that inspiration. What would be your advice in terms of, or insight in terms of how you could, you know, keep that from happening? Yeah. You know, because with growth comes hierarchy and process and practice and layers and Every PowerPoint deck has 15 hands and 25 hours on it before it's presented to a VP. And and that does dampen. That institutionalization has a lot of impact on engagement and and also discretionary effort of people, right? So how do you get around that? I mean, it's just such a great question. And it does come down to intentional leadership. Mm-hmm. and building culture wisely, not as a secondary thought or mm-hmm. back of the envelope sort of pr- thing that's just sort of happening, but actually going out of your way to think about, okay, so we're growing, A, great, B, how can we accomplish this while not losing sight of our people? Mm-hmm. And C, articulating the strategies across the enterprise that are needed to keep people engaged in that growth. Yeah. So it only happens with an absolute, you know, intentional conversation around it. And uh, we've seen many organizations over the years not do that well. Yes. Alignment. Yes. Consistent messaging. Yes. Allowing failure. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrating it. Yeah. Reinforcing, learning, mm-hmm. creating space for diversity of thought cross-functionally. Mm-hmm. And you can build these mechanisms into your organizational culture um, in a way 
that's not not arduous you know doesn't have to be you're not building subcommittees after subcommittees and process after process you're looking to ensure your people have voices and that they're heard yeah the best ideas come from the people that are the closest to the problem that's right right and 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 let's uh let's not forget about that as we continue to grow businesses right as leaders running organizations and business units and departments and functions yeah yeah when i walk into um a business when i'm looking at sort of like that the od space and you know have a great talk with like the elt team and then i'll have a different talk with the slt team Mm -hmm. and then i'll have a different talk with the directors and the managers then i'll go to the front line if you know who i really love to talk to tell me tell me the person at the front desk Mm -hmm. (laughs) he or she is the gatekeeper of every dysfunction that happens that's right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah our uh eas are you know considered our top clients reception our eas we take care of them like anybody else and because they take care of everyone who we take care of too right it's almost like this trusted partnership and teaming that works in you know i was gonna say in coercion but that's not the right word it's definitely not that <laughs> collaboration yeah, thank you that's a little better but sometimes if i feel like that like okay so you got them in the right spot okay i'll go in like you know you're making plans to best support the leader i love that yeah but it, it is a it is a collaborative approach to create what's best and then yes to your point these individuals also have a lot of very important information and perspective on the organization an insight that i think oftentimes yes. the higher you go up in the leadership ladder the the less closer you are to the business. Yes, yes. Right? And uh, you're closer to strategy, but you're not close to the business. And so how do you be how are you able to conceptualize ideate strategy yes. without knowing how that what's that gonna do to the business? Yes. You know, it's easy to sit around the boardroom table with assumptions of how it's going and then you know, often the reality of how it's going is quite different. That's right. So how do you shore up that gap, right? And and mm-hmm. these leaders want to know that, they're open to it. But often they don't have individuals who can help them find access to that information. Yeah. That's why being on the outside is really beneficial. Being Absolutely. a neutral third party, right? Yeah. Switzerland. Yes. Switzerland. Switzerland. Right. <laughs> that you're from, I think, both of our perspectives, our only skin in the game is to ensure that the organization and its people perform at their best. That's right. Yeah, and it, it can very quickly become something we're really passionate about mm-hmm. you, because we love what we do mm-hmm. and we genuinely care about it working. Mm-hmm. Like so much so that if we're not in a position with an organization or a partnership, if it's not a true partnership, we will call that out mm-hmm. because the probability of it working as well as it could, if it's not a true respected partnership, won't be there. it's not there. No. So then let's not waste anybody's time. Yeah. We because, want, you know, we want to drive value for your investment. Yeah. And it's an important time to develop leadership now yes. more than ever before. What's the one characteristic, if there is one, <laughs> that you believe that every leader should possess? Mm. Intentionality. Mm. Right? So, so. But intentionality, yeah. positively or negatively, because you could have a leader that is completely tone deaf mm-hmm. and is and believes in intentionality with his very myopic view of what the strategy needs to look like. Mm-hmm. So his intention or her intention is specifically to drive strategy, regardless of kind of the like the macro kind of mm-hmm. strategic view, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what so, do you mean by intentionality? Yeah, so I would even roll it up even even further. So simply having foresight. 
Ah. Right. So being responsive and not reactive. Mm. Right. Words like what a thriving versus you know surviving. Like mm-hmm. getting in front of what's coming, mm-hmm. creating what you want, mm-hmm. taking initiative and action. See, you know, I I've been using this horrible analogy, and you'll <laughs> learn with me over time, Allison, that I'm really really great with analogies. <laughs> Just mess them up always. But this one I feel has some substance. Leadership we cannot be driving on autopilot. We're not Teslas and we don't want to crash. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Let's actually put ourselves off of autopilot. It's not a bad one, right? It's a good one. It's I not bad. It. It's not bad. <laughs> you know, love a good Tesla, but I mean, really. I mean, we, we're not Tesla. So yeah. let's, let's get off of autopilot, put our, put our heads up around, you know, duck out of the sand or whatever that other analogy is about ostriches. Look around and just really create what you want. So that's what I mean by intentionality. And it's, it's a mindset. You know, and we have done a lot of work around change and crisis management and leadership during the hard times, endurance leadership. And, you know, all of that is a way of life that truly, I believe, isn't going to change. Change is the norm. We've been talking about that for years. Mm-hmm. So what will help leaders Change is everything that's constant, to, to be the, quite that's frankly. It, that's the statement, right? Well, that and death and taxes. Death and taxes. Those aren't going away anytime. <laughs> if we can figure that out, that'd be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'd like to talk more about that. <laughs> or how about what I would really like to find out is to have my accountant figure out how I can write off my shoes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or my suits. I've been forever. But, you know, back in my hospitality days, I used to have dry cleaning and clothing all paid for. And it was beautiful. And, you know, way back, uh, that was many, many years ago now. And yeah, if you can find out how to write those off too, I'd, I'm interested. Get back. Get contact us yes thank you thank you <laughs> we insert phone number here <laughs> but yeah so it's um i'm really passionate about intentional leadership and we've moved the conversation and the needle from you know how do you lead through change like mm-hmm. i'm i am you know not really interested in, in any more webinars on how to lead through change i mean yes it's important self-awareness and understanding the change curve and how do you do that it's to realize that change is the constant yeah and that like it's, it's a table about, stake it's table stake so lead through it or do you want to get in front of it mm-hmm. how are you showing up intentionally mm-hmm. right so that's I what it. i mean right that's how i roll it up i'm like i know it's big but it's a behavior that differentiates those who are thriving today mm-hmm. and you can see it in their actions and behaviors you can distill it yeah you know my mom when uh elliot and i first got married she had said to me that marriage was the hardest thing you'll ever have to do in your life because it was the only thing that really demanded constant attention and now that we're in the that. place in my life where I am now, well, she was right, right? I mean, yeah. you stuck with me for the for 31 years of being married to Elliot. <laughs> but I think that you could say the same for leadership. I think if you're in a leadership position, it's going to be one of the hardest things that you do in your life because mm-hmm. it's something that it will always be constantly evolving and mm-hmm. changing and mm-hmm. you'll be learning and growing and who you are yesterday is not who you're going to be tomorrow. And the circumstances, the challenges, the conflict that you're going to face mm-hmm. is going to keep on requiring you to show up for yourself mm-hmm. in different ways. Yes. Yeah. Showing up for yourself and then showing up for others. Yeah. And the others pool is always changing and evolving, you know, around you. Yeah. So, you know. That's why I say leadership is an inside job because you've got to show up for yourself first (laughs) before you can show up for anybody else. That's right. And I I appreciate that huge. And then also knowing that the probability that you'll show up perfectly for everyone else is is almost zero. I think it goes back to questioning your intention. Mm-hmm. Oh, there it is. I see. There I it know. is. Ding, We're going to be looping back to it all the time. I tell you, it's a real thing. It's like a, a, a differentiator, a mindset yeah. differentiator. Yeah. yeah. What do you think right now is one of the biggest challenges that leaders today face? 
the standard based like first kind of line of response there is just continuing to navigate uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And then the the shakeout of that is supporting teams in driving performance and still, you know, putting their head down and executing the plan when there's a lot of questions about the future. Yeah. So again, very juxtaposed environment. It's like, okay, I kind of get this now, but I want to have a feeling that I belong to something different and and possibly bigger or at least more clarity on what's coming next. And no matter how stable the organization or industry is, we've been very disrupted as a human race. Yeah. So that that's challenging. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, the the third sort of tertiary shakeout is adopting skills that are different than what had got us to where we are today. <laughs> easy to say, right? All of this is really easy to say. Have hard to put into play, hard <laughs> to put like, into practice. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, leaders are, are needing to do more with less. We know that. Yep. A lot of organizations, for example, even five years ago, right, Allison, like mm-hmm. recently would have seven vice presidents and, you know, for example, a small company, seven VPs and each VP would have, you know, you know, three direct reports. Well, now there's five vice vice presidents and each VP has seven direct reports. I know some organizations where people are leading 20 direct reports. Yeah. How the hell do you get anything exactly. done? Exactly. You're setting up people to fail if you think that that's the solution. Well, and and if that's the solution that business are, businesses are implementing, then how do you equip those leaders to be successful? Mm-hmm. How do they adopt a new skill set? So again, assuming what got us to where we are today. Yeah is a big challenge for leaders to overcome that and see what the skill sets of the future are, Mm. right? So coaching and developing your people, leveraging talent, delegation, the basic classics that we've always known like good leadership are comprised of uh, are now no longer good leadership. They're just essential, absolutely essential, right? So letting go of the past to be open to the future when we've been led a certain way and that's made sense for us, that's what we know, yet the future of work is requiring something totally different. That's the biggest challenge and it's super exciting, right? Like those Mm. that we work with, they are in for it. They are showing up ready to play we're fumbling the ball for sure, <laughs> but we're figuring it out as we go. And that's like, that's we're celebrating in this completely disrupted, continually disrupted world. Do you think that people on just on a general basis have a really good understanding of the difference between leading, managing, and coaching? Yeah. I find that organizations now are placing more and more demand on their own leaders to coach their team members, their individuals, their direct reports. Yeah. But oftentimes when I go into an organization, it's not coaching, it's directing. Yes, yeah. So I think there's a really big difference between leading, Mm -hmm. managing, and coaching. And you have to have mastery in each one of those areas if you Mm -hmm. really want to be a great leader Mm -hmm. in today's day and age. Absolutely. Agree wholeheartedly. Situational leadership is a very important practice and being able to discern between those three Mm -hmm. and kind of pick in your tool belt, like, oh, this moment right now, this does require me to be directive. It's yep. safety urgent. There's regulatory environments. It's a union decision, whatever it might be. There's no time to, you know, develop. We need, it, there's a high sense of urgency. But let's debrief afterwards. And I'm going to put on my coaching hat then to facilitate a meaningful development conversation. Yeah. So to be able to pivot between those is what the beauty of really advanced leadership is. Mm-hmm. And it's so important in terms of what we're also seeing in business today, because leaders are not only having to do more with less, i.e. more direct reports, they are also being promoted or laterally moved into functions of which they have no former expertise. I just love the way your brain thinks. (laughs) 
I have such a crush on your brain. Oh my gosh, I have a crush on you. Let's do this. I love this conversation. Right? So you're, oh. you're feeling, you're seeing what I'm laying down here, right? So now you have these leaders at these senior levels and I would celebrate it. So let's mm-hmm. not get this wrong. I'm a proponent of putting leaders, good, solid, effective leaders mm-hmm. in positions of responsibility yes. for functions of which they've never worked. And that. In order to do that well, you have no choice. You can't tell people what to do Mm-mm. because you don't know. You Mm-mm. don't know. You don't have the answers. Nope. So you have to coach and develop them. Yeah. And that's that's a wonderful thing because then your people have a high degree of ownership. They're accountable. Their feelings, their 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 perspectives, their feelings, their experiences are all heard and, and cascades. Yes. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Right. So so it's needed. It, it was previously like a nice to have. Yeah you know, good, solid coaching capabilities as a leader. It's a need to have. It's a basic standard requirement now. Yeah. What's the one mistake that you witness leaders making more frequently than others? Feeling like they need to have all the answers. Mm. You know, that's kind of the the perspective that might form the mistake. The mistake shows up Mm -hmm. in in many different ways. Mm -hmm. Not having patience for learning. Mm. Or for others. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Because oftentimes we'll see high functioning leaders that are very myopic. And so what's worked for them should work for everybody else Mm -hmm. without allowing that space and holding that space for people to develop their own sense of leadership style. Exactly. While still following right? The framework. Yeah. Right? We got freedom within that framework, yeah. but there, it's still a framework. There's guidelines, there's mm-hmm. company values, there's mm-hmm. expectations, there's infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And how do you create space? And that's a really nice way to say it as well, right? What's another mistake? Well, you know, low patience for the time it takes to learn yeah. and, and therefore not actually creating space, creating space to be intentional, creating space to think strategically, like we've talked about, creating space to allow others to learn and develop. Mm-hmm. And and that comes down to being confident in oneself by not having to be the expert. Yeah. And that's that's difficult. So what happens if you're facing, you know, a, a leadership team that says, that sounds all great in theory, mm-hmm. but we don't have time for that. Right. We are so behind the eight ball. We are, I don't know. $10 million off of our mark and mm-hmm. we're in the beginning of Q4. Shareholders are watching, stock prices impacted. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for this. We yeah. don't have time to build. We don't have time for this. Yeah. If I don't get asked this question, I often raise it because I think correlating the impact of our work to tangible results is what will keep those naysayers bought into the value that may take a bit of time, but you can generally capture it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say would be, let's look at the impact of developing your people and the amount of time that you save by having them equipped to actually do their jobs at the level that you're paying them for. Mm-hmm. And we actually have measured um, varying aspects of coaching. So we have this fundamental, just absolutely exceptional ICF accredited coaching capability program. So it's not to train professional coaches, but we deliver it to leading organizations to build internal leadership capability. So coaching skills for that sort of senior manager and above level, manager yep. and above. And we get a lot of questions around what, how do you measure results of this program? And so we say to leaders, okay, so if you have five people at your door with problems, and by this time next week, you have two, you've created more space and you've generated more accountability mm-hmm. within people within your teams to drive for results themselves. Yeah. So beautiful, right? But more formally, you can measure the result of developing your people. So mm-hmm. how frequently are you modeling leadership behaviors on the job in the moment versus having all these scheduled meetings to coach and develop? Ugh. 
right? So you mm-hmm. want to be able to do it in real time to measure that leadership behavior change. Yeah. And then we also often look, Allison, at the implications or the impact of coaching conversations. I'm using coaching as one development example. Sure. Where employee goes Because you do much more than just coaching. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And this program in itself is leadership development strategy work, formal training that is building coaching skills internally, That's right. right? So it's different than one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. In this case, the leader is the coach internally, right? Yeah. So the employee comes into the leader and the leader's like, oh, you know what, I'm going to practice my coaching skills in this moment instead of just tell this person what to do. And the employee comes in and says, you know what, here's my problem leader. What do you think I should do? And the leader goes, I think you should. And then they go, wait a second, stop. I know better. I'm going to actually ask the person what idea they have. So they're going to say, well, what do you think? You have beautiful ideas. You're here for a reason. What's your what's your perspective here? Yeah, like if you had nothing standing in your way, yeah. what would be the path? Best coach question ever, right? So yeah. what could you do? And the employee will come and surprise the heck out of you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have so many great ideas because you hired them for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so when that employee's idea... Uh, manages to reduce costs by 1.5 million, increase revenue by seven, whatever it is, we capture that and we say, look at this return on investment. Because if the leader were had just to tell the employee what to do, that cost extraction, that synergy realization wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And you can drill that um, impact those business variables right down to the exact moment of a leader adopting approach that is different yeah. than what they would have done previously. So ROI measurements are abound in the work that we do. That's the magic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have an analogy that's almost yes, at the yes. same level as your do Tesla. It. Oh, do it, <laughs> this do is it. at your Tesla. I'm excited. <laughs> and I say this to clients and I was like, I always need to find something else as a descriptive, but this is what it is. I firmly believe a leader's role is to be the cow catcher in front of that speeding train the cow catcher in front of the you know speed. what yeah. it's like that yeah it's like that great <laughs> well the great and the, oh my god and i got it i got it you have to stop traffic safely have people mobilize across funnel the systems through <laughs> i'm more picturing you know a speeding bullet going down the swiss alps and there's a cow in the middle of the way and it's got that great and the cow oh. goes flying <laughs> but it's a leader's role to ensure that you have removed any of the barriers that are in front of that individual Mm -hmm. that could be technical skills that could be iq could be eq Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you do that through leading managing and coaching yes very nice gotta find me a better analogy than the cow catcher did i I just give you a really great like could you picture a speeding train in the alps first first you brought me me to the alps and then i was like oh bullet train that was fun (laughs) in japan and then i thought of this cow being shattered all the way i was like wow i gotta catch up on my interpretation of analogies let alone my use of them but that's for another day (laughs) but yes i do um i really like the way that you tied that up in terms of the total responsibilities and it is uh there's a lot of responsibility lots just a lot of opportunity that goes with leadership. What's the one behavior or trait that you've seen derail leaders' careers? Yeah, no, very good question. Um, just lack of self-awareness. Mm. And particularly when it become when it comes to emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so to drill that down even further, lack of composure or understanding of how one's emotions oh. impact others around them. And I guess that autopilot move, like a lot of folks that we deal with are high performers. They are exceptionally busy. They're handling things flying at them from all mm-hmm. angles all the time. In some cases, 24, 7, 365, yeah. depending on the industry. And so it's really easy to succumb to that. 
and not be an, a, an observer of how you're showing up within that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, the, the lack of self-awareness is the derailer. And we talk a lot about that in emotional intelligence work. And that particularly shows up when you're not thinking about how your mood, your emotions, or your behaviors are impacting those that you're responsible for leading. So what advice would you give to those listeners that are on their leadership ladder that don't necessarily have, you know, the access to someone like you? Mm -hmm. What would be one thing that you can recommend as a takeaway where people can either evaluate their own self-awareness, create a practice around it. You know, how do you get better at it if you don't have access to people like us? Yeah. You know, creating space. So back to what we've already said, mm-hmm. creating space to have similar conversations around leadership. So mm-hmm. intentional leadership conversations with either peers or those above you in an organization that you admire. Yeah. And that's key, not just like pick by title because they must be good, but actually leaders who you align with and mm-hmm. that you feel a value connection to. And um, you going in with some really uh, you know, thoughtful questions, steeped in curiosity, genuine curiosity, not assumptions or biases, but just pure from neutral around, you know, what has worked for this individual? What are their current challenges? And also sharing your own. Yeah. The construct of creating space to articulate your reflections generates greater learning. And you can do that, you know, in the environment around you in the day to day. So put yourself out there. Yeah. Do, and ask for what you want. You yeah. know, that's one of my favorite sort of lessons in owning your development today for tomorrow. Um, asking for what you want. And Allison, you're going to love this. Mm. Actively seeking a no or a not now. <gasps> It's like a game. Like I like to play it like a game. I have lots of clients that play this as a game. Like if you know that you're going to get a no, build that tenacity. You asked yeah. me earlier, how do I build tenacity? At least twice a week. How do you I get that? Yes. How do you get that? Yes. I perp- mm-hmm. Well, and I purposely ask ask where I think for sure I'm going to get a no. I love it. Like I'm going to ask for that discount on that beautiful trench coat never, at Nordstrom's. You can never ask me a question because I will always give you a yes, yes. no matter what. You'd be like, hi, <laughs> hi, you had me at hello. So never like, ask me that. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, but it's funny because that actually starts to happen. Yeah. When you start to set yourself up with this mindset of I need to get a no or not now, um, it becomes this really nice skill of confidence that you establish and just, you know, asking for what you want. And that is really important. And I do a lot of work with women in leadership and helping, you know, women grow in their careers. And there is a bit of a gender sort of bias attached to one's confidence for just asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. And and, um, a lot of people have a lot of fun with that. And it can be literally like standing there at Starbucks with your flat white and your little egg things that I had this morning and saying, um, you know, is it possible to get a discount on this today at all? I'm, I'm here, you know, a couple times a week. Do you have any sort of friends and family discounts you can throw my way? And the barista or the person at the till will look up at you like, who is this person asking for a discount? And then you know what happens? They go, actually, yeah, I have my friends and family button right here. Let me just push it. Boom, 10% off. And you're like, what? I actually got a discount at Starbucks. Like who does that, right? So, and that's like a silly little example, but I do encourage people to try that on for size. And see what happens. See what happens. How does that feel? It's going to be so great. And and also when you get a no, super powerful. Yeah. Really, really, like I actually want to know more than a yes. 
Because the no is where I learn. Ah, nice. So I really rudely interrupted you. I want to go back. No problem. You I were, love it. You were telling, you started off with your Nordstrom trend coat 20% off. Yeah. Did you get it? I have. I did. Yeah. yeah I did. And my husband still laughs me about that. He's like, honestly, if anyone, no, I think it was like 10%. It wasn't 20, but I love it. It was, it was significant and it was mm -hmm. a surprise and there was something that they were able to do. And it was sort of that, uh, Anyways, there was a, a a discount option that was available, and um, you know, but that's retail. I mean, I mean, like asking for the meeting with the SVP, who you would assume wouldn't have the time. Yeah. But you know what? If you're the one, you know, or you are the SVP, and you're looking for the time with the CEO, and you get very little time, but you just literally go and ask for what you want, you will be pleasantly surprised. But that mental agility mm -hmm. by just doing that, some people would be thinking that's, well, that's just being assertive. But actually, that's not being assertive. Yes. Great it, point, it right? It is being assertive, but there's so many other unintended or intended consequences exactly. to putting yourself out there. Yeah. So it builds your confidence. Yes. Mm -hmm. It allows you to speak with authority. Mm -hmm. It allows you to take no without feeling any emotional That's the key right there. Yeah. pull yes. to it. So yes. I have no ego involved if yeah. you say yes or no. That's okay. Yeah, Thanks. I'm, have I'm a great, great day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. What a great learning lesson. This is yeah. why I say she's got secret, secret sauce. Yay. <gasps> What's yeah. the one thing that you would tell a new leader who's just starting their leadership journey? I would say give yourself permission to be a beginner. And that, my friends, is leadership in action. There's no other way. We can be very hard on ourselves. We are our own worst critics. Mm -hmm. Those form beliefs and actions that follow us for our whole careers, whether we like it or not. Everyone around us is often learning with us. So, so important to yeah. remember. You're not on this journey alone. Mm -hmm. Everybody has walked a very similar path to you, will walk a very similar path to you. Hold that space. Bring humanity back into, right? your, into your questions, how you move, what you think, what you feel, what you see, what yes. you do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for spending this afternoon with me. Yeah, I really appreciate the conversation. I'd love to... You know, just reflect at that uh, aggregate level, that future sort of view, that real um, perspective that honors the challenges mm -hmm. in parallel to the opportunities of exceptional leadership. Thank you. This is why I have a, such a crush on you. <laughs> oh, I'm blushing. You can't see me right now, but I'm blushing. <laughs> well, you can see me, but others can't. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Live, Learn, Lead with me, Allison Geskin. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow. And a great free way to support this podcast is to review and rate it. Always remember, my friends, that the most powerful thing you can be is you. You.